really deep into something this morning that I, I'm, I'm kind of excited about because this is a, a subject that as we talk about this, is, it's really the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Um, it kind of kept, if, if I could say this, I'll say it this way, is, is, is the direction that we steer the, the course of our ship is that's the direction that we're going to go. And as we, as we, if we have the course of our ship set in the direction towards God, then that's, even, even as all the stuff of this world, the stuff of this life may throw us a lot of storms and a lot of fastballs, curveballs, whatever, sliders, if you're into baseball like me, you know, things that are difficult for us to, to navigate through, as we set our course, we'll, we'll, we'll discover that that's still the course that we're on. So our course is towards God. Amen? That's why he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things that we may have to deal with, they're going to get worked out. I really believe that. I still believe that. Jesus said that. I believe it. And I want us to, to kind of get in that same page or same book as me, as, as I feel like that's the book I'm in right now, which is the Bible, which is a good book to be in, right? Amen. Amen. I want to share, this is a, so I ran across this story, actually it's a, it's a book, it's Randy Alcorn, um, it's called Safely Home, it's, and it's a neat book, a little book that, uh, it, it's a fiction, Christian, Christian fiction, uh, he writes this book, Is about 2002, he wrote a book in regards to uh, um, uh, persecution from the, uh, in the church in China. And, and this book is based on these two characters, uh, uh, Quan, Lai Quan and, and Ben. And these two characters, they're best friends in college, and then they, they kind of disperse and go their separate ways, and one is serving the Lord and one is serving the world. One, is, one goes the, uh, the, the route of, of actually... Uh, ministry and outreach, and he goes to China as God leads him to China to be a minister, an evangelist, and, he, and he's, he's sharing, this is, a, like I said, it's a fiction story, but it's a great story, and Ben, who is a, a businessman, gets sent to China on a business trip, and so he finds out that his friend Quan is there, so they, they meet up together, and they start talking, and they start re, 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 reconnecting, and, and so in this reconnection, they're discovering that they're their, their courses got set differently. Even though they were both Christians all through college, their courses got set differently because Ben set his course in the way, ways of the world. And Quan set his course into the kingdom of God and the work that God had for him. So it, it, basically what ends up happening is Quan uh, ends up getting uh, persecuted and even martyred for the kingdom, for Christ's sake. And this is in the story called Safely Home. And so I, I want to share this because Randy Alcorn kind of goes into this, in, into this relationship between earth and heaven, the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven. And here's an excerpt that moves into a conversation between, and I love this, the carpenter king who Quan meets as he reaches heaven. And, and, and so compared to what and he says this, this is what he's, uh, I'll, I'll, it'll delve into the conversation. So, but this is a part of this, that, that, this excerpt that gets to this conversation. So, so bear with me for a second. It goes, this is a quote, compared to what he now beheld, the world he'd come from was a land of shadows, colorless, two-dimensional. This place, this place now was fresh and captivating. Uh, 
resonating with color and beauty. He could not only see it and hear it, but he could feel it, smell it, and even taste it. Every every hillside, every mountain, every waterfall, every follicking animal in the field seemed to beckon him to come and join them, to come from the outside and plunge into the inside. This whole world had the feel of cool water on a blistering July afternoon. The light beckoned him to dive in with abandonment, to come join the great adventure. And so there's the conversation then. I know what this is, Quan said. Tell me, said the carpenter. It's the substance that casts all those shadows in the other world. The circles there are copies of the spheres here. The squares there are copies of the cubes here. The triangles there are copies of the pyramids here. Earth was a flat land. The inside is bigger than the outside, isn't it? And then he asks the questions, how many dimensions are there here? Far more than you have seen yet, the king said laughing. This is the place that defines and gives meaning to all places. Quan said, I never have seen, I never could have imagined a kingdom like this. Talking about the kingdom of God actually being the reality and the kingdom of this earth and this world, the temporary Because isn't that what scripture tells us is that that which is eternal is reality or that which is reality is eternal and that which is is that which is temporary really is is just a a shadow of the things that actually are. Have you thought about that? Thought about what a shadow is? What makes up of a shadow? Light. It requires light. As, as this week, as I was thinking about shadows, I was thinking, my mind instantly went to shade. In the shadows, there's shade. In the shadows, there's a little bit of comfort, isn't there? There's a little bit of, of, of pleasure in it that we could rest in, that we could say, ah, this is kind of a, kind of a place that I could say is, might be a little bit safe. But the reality and the, what makes up a shadow is, yes, there's, it's, it's an it's a actual item, a substance that is being blocked, the sun, it's blocking the sun's light or a light, and so therefore it makes a shadow, correct? The shadow is not the real thing. I'm not, this isn't like really, this isn't rocket science. This is just easy stuff to understand, correct? You guys with me? So I want to talk about this in, in uh, Hebrews chapter 8, so let me go there. This is in the New Living Translation. L- listen to this. This is excellent. Oh, here, here, hold on one second. I got to do something. I apologize. I I have to do this thing every Sunday. I have to decrease decrease the text size in my iPad so I could print it out. And then I have to increase it to actually read. So I just did that. I'm done. Sorry about that, guys. Hebrews chapter 8. Starting in verse 1, now I could read it without any glasses. 
the blessings of an iPad. Just enlarge it like that. I don't know if that's why. The convenience of it, too, to me is, like, fantastic. But love the Word of God. I love the Bible. I've got lots of Bibles, but I love the Bible in my iPad. I don't know why I've just discovered how to use it well, navigate through it well. So uh, a phone works just as well, too. Hebrews chapter 8, starting in verse 1, this is it, and the New Living Translation said this, I love how he's wording this, so if I, if I interrupt myself or if the Holy Spirit interrupts me, I should say, let's go with it. So I'm going to read the entire chapter and we'll talk about some things in it. It says, now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do not have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. No, wait, I'm sorry. We do have. <laughs> thank you. I just, the Holy Spirit interrupted me and said, that didn't come out right. Maybe I do need to enlarge it bigger or get glasses. I don't know. Let, let, let's start over. Well, let's let the train go by. The main point is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by mere human, not by mere human being. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, and so it was necessary for this one also to have something to offer. If he were here on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and a shadow of that which is in heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. Now, I don't know how God showed him this pattern, this tabernacle. We don't know. We know that he, he saw it. He experienced. He was 40 days on the mountain without food or water. So he was in the presence of God for 40 days. And God took him, whether God took him to heaven or whether God opened up heaven to him, we don't know. But we know that he saw heaven perfectly portrayed, so much so that he could, he could after seeing that which he saw, he could build a, an exact replica of a tabernacle that God showed him down to every fiber in every curtain and every 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 place of furniture in that tabernacle Moses saw it it was imprinted in his brain how God did it I don't know but God did it and that's awesome I love this because I love that that God still does this kind of stuff God still imprints within us his blueprint for living, for life. Uh, I love that he's actually still involved in doing that in our lives. Um, and like I said, we don't know exactly how it happened. We just know it happened. And, and, and I kind of like that too, because I think if it happened a certain way and we had it how it was descriptive, we would all chase after how that happened. We would go that direction because we are man. Whenever we see it done, that's how we want to do it. And we think that's how it needs to get done. Um, you know, it, the, Jesus dealt with this issue when all of a sudden he was, uh, he, he was illuminated. And there in his presence was Moses and Elijah. And what did, what did the disciples want to do? 
they wanted to build an altar. Build, let's build an altar to, to honor this moment. Because this, and, God, and Jesus said, no. No, because this is how you'll do it all the time. And no, this isn't how it actually happens all the time. And that's okay. You know, I, you know Glenn and I used to, we, we laughed quite often about this subject because we, he would, you know, especially, especially the last year of his life where there were at least three that I can remember times that he had passed. And they brought him back. He was brought back. And we had this conversation many times, and even like there's, there's, I think the first time we were like a little disappointed. It's like, well, what'd you see? It's like, and he's asking, well, what'd you see? And he's like, doggone it, I didn't see anything. And, you know, I, I was, we were both so hoping that he would have gotten it, at least, you know, if he'd gone through all of that and they broke his ribs and everything, he at least got to see something. I mean, so, so we, we had these conversations and even laughed about it. It's like, we don't know if that, that's like, God doesn't do that every time. And that's okay. That's up to God. But God showed Moses this exactness. And it's a replica. It's a shadow, right? That's what he's pointing out here. And this is why he was warned to make it exactly. Because this is what is actually happening here. You know, it, it kind of, it's starting to make a lot of sense when he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on what? On earth as it is in heaven. That's not like some new New Testament idea. This is what God has been implementing all along on earth as it is in heaven. Earth, earth is a likeness of that which is heaven. Isn't that, that's, that's, a, that's such a, how can we get it backwards? Have you ever noticed that? We want to make, you know, how many times have you said, have you heard the conversation that somebody's like, oh, well, you know, they passed away and they're, they're getting to go play golf all day long now. Well, just like they did here on earth, it's like, granted, that's okay, and I, I'm glad that that's a thought, that's a, it makes, but why are we making heaven a likeness of earth when God designed it the other way around? Earth is a likeness of heaven. Wow. We're going to have to just... Let that simmer and, and see where God takes that in your, in your spirit. Verse 6. Mm. He says, but in fact, the ministry that Jesus received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. Oh, that's a trip, isn't it? The new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming. Listen to this. This is really good news. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. 
This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer will they teach, no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord. Because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. The book of Hebrews seems to say that we should see the earth and its kingdoms as a derivative realm. One that is a copy. One that is a copy and, is, and it doesn't measure up to the actual real realm, heaven itself, and the kingdom of heaven. So this is why when Jesus comes and he brings the kingdom, he says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying that this is why he's telling us, I am here and the kingdom of God is with me. And now it's time to seek God first with everything in your heart. Seek God first and its kingdom. Because it's what really matters. And it's the reality that we're after. It's the real reality, the kingdom of God. Amen? I want to share, and I, and I want to share this in a way that I uh, ask the Holy Spirit to speak something and here's a here's a um I'm fumbling on my words because I as I share this a moment of truth that there's I my prayers that it will relate to most if not all of us but I know I run the risk of being extremely vulnerable and extremely just honest I run the risk of it also causing some to question. So my prayer is that it would relate and we would understand and it would push us farther into a relationship, an intimate relationship, and an intimate commitment to that which God has for us. And actually cause us to dig deep into ourselves as I share this. Um, As I was really looking at this, and, the, and the, there was a moment, it was probably about three or four weeks ago, I, I, I think it was about that time frame ago, I can't recall, I just know that there was a moment that this odd question in my mind and in my heart that I didn't really know how to answer because I didn't have an answer, so just kind of go with me for a second here. I went to a place where I was very, like, concerned for our souls. And, and, and when I started going there, I think that the enemy came some, from somewhere, from some point.
and I started to think about Glenn and and then I and then there was this this question that came out and said what if this is all there is what if this is all that exists And it shocked me that I actually had that question in my mind. It shocked me. I was like, and I don't even know how to explain it other than just, I'm just being honest and saying this is an experience I had. And I got so sad. And I got so full of despair. And I got so full of just like, I why? Why any of it? Why any of this? And I, I felt like the Holy Spirit needed to take me here for a second so that he could bring me out of there. And in that moment, he, he said, well, and he literally spoke to me like this. He said, well, son, if this is all there is, then you must disregard everything I've ever said. Everything. Everything I've ever said, you must throw it away as though it's a lie. Everything I've ever written, you must put it aside as though it's not true. And then that's when the Holy Spirit said, if I could say it, I'll say it. Oh, hell no. No way. And that's when he just like instant, instantly like filled me with such peace and joy and overwhelming exuberance for life because he, I knew that that was a lie. And I knew that the truth of God's word, that all of this is really temporary. All of this really doesn't matter. And everything that he has spoken is all that matters. And everything that is into eternity is what's going to last. That's what really matters. And there was something inside of me that was kind of bubbling up with joy and so much peace and so much excitement that, yes, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is all that really matters. And the kingdom of this world and all that's in this life Granted, I live in it, we all live in it, and I enjoy air conditioning in it. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Unless we make the kingdom of God matter most. And then I was overwhelmed with sadness for so many of my friends that make it all about this. Make it all about business deals and transactions and money to be made and principles to stand on. And, and I thought, wow, oh Lord, what are we doing? We need to be doing this right. I feel like we, we need to be challenged to dig into the depths of our very soul and our very mind and our very heart to say and, and even question ourselves what really matters. 
what's most important. Do you know how you could tell what's most important to you? One reason, one, one way to identify what's most important to you, your top priority. I know there's a lot of stuff in there, a lot of stuff that Jesus said, you know, out of the overflow of your mouth, your heart, or out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. <laughs> Some of us has overflow mouth, but, and where your treasure is, there your heart is. But I was, I was compelled to, I was challenged in my own spirit in, in this regard. And so what do I want my children to learn most? That's what matters most to me. Yeah. As a, as a father, as a, as a parent. And you could hear this for yourself too. So I was like, what do I want them to learn most? Because what I want them to learn most is what matters most to me. Right? Because they're the people that matter most to me. So I'd want them to learn what matters most to me. It's not that difficult, but it, it challenges us to think about it. Like, what is most important? And as I was walking through this, I kind of was thinking of different things and thoughts and different... And I thought about it, and I was like, well, is responsibility the most important thing to teach your children? Be responsible. Be a hard worker. Pay your bills on time. I'm asking a question. I'm really asking. It's okay. Uh, uh, those are important things. Right? We can't just disregard them and say, well... Whatever, just foot loose, fancy free. That's what matters. You know, you don't worry about all that stuff. God will take care of it, right? No, you can't teach him that. Isn't it... When I stop and think about it, being... I think like the most thing I want to teach my children is to be generous. Generous. To be kind to be thoughtful, to be considerate, unselfish, thankful. Yes, we want to teach our kids please and thank you. But I think there's a, there's a deeper place that, we want to, that I feel like I want to teach my kids, even as adults. I still teach them as adults. In fact, I find myself teaching them more as adults. It's easier to teach a child please and thank you than it is to teach an adult hey, you need to be grateful in your heart and don't let pride swell up because all this that you think you're doing, you had nothing to do with it. That's all God doing it. So as I was looking at this, I'm thinking that's where I believe we'll find out what's most valuable to us is what we want our children to know. What, how about this? What you want the most important people in your life to learn from you? convicting a little bit, isn't it? Well, it ought to be.
In Matthew 23, verse 23, this is out of the Passion Translation. It says this. This is Jesus. Have you ever read Matthew chapter 23 before? Anybody? Okay, good. What's it known as? The chapter of woes. Like, why would you want to read that? It's kind of like reading Revelation 2 and 3 when you read the letters that Jesus speaks to the churches. I always like to read those. I feel like I need to read those because I need to know what Jesus is looking for in me and from me as a pastor and as a, as a, as a church. But Matthew 23, we need to read that also because it's the things that Jesus is also looking for and for us not to be. And he says this, one verse. He said, great sorrow awaits you, religious scholars and Pharisees, you frauds and you pretenders. For you are obsessed with peripheral issues, like insisting on paying meticulous tithes on the smallest herbs that grow in your gardens. These matters are fine. Did you hear that? These are important, and they're fine. But you ignore the most important duties of all, to walk in the love of God, to display mercy to others, and to live with integrity. What is integrity? What is integrity? You guys know I've talked about this many times. What's that? Oh, I, I, I couldn't hear that. I'm sorry. Say it a little louder. <laughs> you won't be wrong, but there's probably a deeper meaning to it. Being Fruitful? Truthful. Okay, that's really good. That's, that's perfect because that's what it really is. It, integrity is basically where the things that I say line up with the things that I do. With this, that's integrity. And that's what he's saying is most important. Displaying mercy to others. Walking in the love of God and living with integrity. And then he says this last statement, readjust your values and place first things first. Do you hear what he's saying there? I believe that's what God is calling us to do is we seek first the kingdom of God, is to place first things first. The mercy of God that God wants to use us in and through people's lives. The love of God that God is looking to use you in people's lives being generous and being kind, being thoughtful and considerate. It's the number one thing that we're working on teaching the, the young boys that are in our home. The number one thing. The most important thing. We don't disregard responsibility because that is fine. As Jesus said, this is fine. But you must put the first thing first, and that is to love others, to be considerate of others, to look for opportunities to be a blessing, because we know that the blessings of God come not because we just get under a blessing umbrella. You get under the blessing umbrella by being a blessing to others. So if you want to walk in and receive the blessings of God, you must be a blessing to others. And that's 
these are truths that as I discover myself wanting to teach these young boys the same thing that I've taught my children. Be generous. Look for ways to give as opposed to ways to get. Look for opportunities to help. These are the most important things. And I believe this is what the kingdom of heaven, when we seek first the kingdom of heaven, it's seeking first his righteousness, his ways. And because here's the thing is there's, there's, there's definitely a conflict between the world's ways and the God's ways. You notice that? And, and just to, to even make it even more conflicting is all the confusion in the world today. Have you ever, have you ever, um, has this ever happened to you? This actually has happened to me. So I could testify to this actually happening to me. Put your shirt on inside out. Have you ever done that and walked around all day? I've done it and I've walked around all day and nobody told me. And I didn't realize it until I got home and was taking my shirt off. But here's what I was like, here's what I'm saying is we as the church and as Christians, when we're trying to live like and look like the world, we have our shirt on backwards and upside down or, or inside out. Upside down wouldn't work. That would be odd. And nobody's telling us because we look fine because we're looking like the world. When we as Christians are looking just like the world and operating in the world's ways and putting ourselves first, it's a backwards, upside, inside out shirt as a Christian. And he's telling us, no, wear your shirt as a follower of Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things, they'll come to you. They'll be worked out. As Jesus said, readjust your values and place first things first. It's imperative, it's important, and it is the most crucial thing for us to do as followers of Christ. It's to seek first the kingdom of God. And it's different than the kingdom of this world. In fact, it is the reality. And everything that's in this world are just shadows. They're just flat surfaces. It's like a drawing of a circle when in the kingdom of God, it's an actual sphere. And that's awesome. I want us to just like dig into the awesomeness of how God is and who God is. And in 2 Corinthians, I'm going to finish up here because it's hot and I really want to get out of here. And actually, I have an appointment with our AC guy. That sounded pretty worldly, huh? <laughs> but I tell you, one of you would miss that appointment. In fact, you would have been scooting out of here. You would have said, hey, Eric, I got to leave early. Because I got an appointment. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. He says this. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I love that verse. I remember reading that verse when I first got saved. 
And that verse in itself alone inspired me to stay focused towards God, walking with God in the midst of a confusing, conflicting, dying, sick world that was always pulling me to follow its ways, especially as a young man. As a young man, it was always pulling me to follow its ways. Do what everybody else is doing. And he says, no, fix your eyes on Jesus. That which is, because that which is seen is temporary. That which is unseen is eternal. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your love for us. That's above and beyond in fact, even when we start delving into the kingdom of God and all of its, all of your working and all that you have, you have brought to us, <laughs> it's above and beyond what we can even fathom. So even as we speak about it, we know that we're just speaking with words that are only likeness of that which is the reality of eternity. So Lord, instill within us by your spirit, you told us this, you told us this, and it's a, it's a promise that we stand on, that you will place your words, your laws in our hearts and in our minds. You will write them. You will write them. So write your kingdom ways into us, on us, in us, through us, however you see fit. If you got to airdrop them into our system, go ahead, do it right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to completely fill us as we walk in your ways. May we, may we, yes, yes, may we look like you to those who need you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.